and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, uh, the podcast from the guys behind the Guitar Show UK. Um, we're here, it's episode 17. I'm looking at uh, Jace on screen, uh, Le Grand Fromage at the Guitar Show. How are you, Jace? I'm all right, mate. How are you? My little baby bell. Yes, thank you for that. <laughs> uh, I'm fine. How are you? Good, good. I've had a really good week. Um, yeah, all good. And that's a new guitar that you flashed at me as well. For yes, evening, haven't you? yes. I'll show, I'll show our guest as well. Oh yes, sorry. Ooh, come so, on. but but this is special. The reason why it's special is that um, I am a massive Butch Walker fan. I don't know if you know Butch Walker. Mm. Not many people do, um, but I, I love his solo stuff, and that's actually Butch Walker's guitar. Well, that's cool. <laughs> it's yeah. So he's having a. He put on social media about a month ago. He was having a clear out of Ruby Red Studios, and he was opening a reverb store. So I jumped onto Reverb and sort of followed it. And as soon as it appeared, I just dived in and got it. And it's brilliant. Love it. So you've had an exciting week. Yeah, it's appeared on some of my favourite albums of all time. So, um, you know, now I own it. And I suppose, as we've already slightly heard from, we ought to introduce our guest. Um, (laughs) I'm over the moon to have uh, Mary Spender with us. uh, Hello. 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 Um, (laughs) And I've been trying to think as to what to introduce you as. Mm-hmm. Um, because we could go down a whole route, couldn't we? So we could go um, content creator, we could go singer-songwriter, we could go tutor. What would you go with? Um, I guess musician first, and then um, just I use tools like YouTube to broadcast myself to an audience, really. So, yeah, content creator. Musician and content creator is like, that's on my email signature. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'd settled with networker. Networker. Yes. Because I think not so much in this day and age. Oh, I don't. I know. used to be. Oh, I used don't. To I still about. think you are. I still think you are. I think you're one of the the greatest networkers I've ever come across. Oh, I learnt from the best. Um, mm, I I ought to say from the get-go that Mary and I worked together at Shaw for a little while and we've known each other for a a few years Um, Mm -hmm. so if there's an odd odd in-jokes or sly things in there then it's probably sort of stemming from that Um, First first question really, fairly simple Uh, What have you been doing through lockdown? What have I been doing? I've mainly been sat at this desk um, working on content and well, actually, just to go back into our sort of our past history and why I'm happy to be on this podcast, because um, Jason obviously gave me a, a performance slot at the guitar show in 2017, January 2017, February yeah, I couldn't remember when it was. I couldn't remember if it was three or four yeah. years ago. And I think I had 300 subscribers on my YouTube channel then. And you just very kindly let me perform on, on stage. And then I did I did a little vlog, which probably got about five <laughs> hits, but <laughs> I was trying. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm still doing much of the same, obviously, a far less amount of traveling. Um, But yeah, just running the YouTube channel, uh, building a course site and yeah, just working on some bigger projects that have been sort of more secretive. Um, But mainly during lockdown, I've just been here like, you know, like we all have. Um, But luckily, my job has uh, just evolved um, just during this time and I've been given opportunities that I wouldn't have been given um, if the world was in a normal place so it's a it's a bit of a weird situation to be in and if you look at because your your career which I mean well you seem to have packed a lot into a relatively short period of time because um, I'm mm-hmm. trying to think exactly when we met um, it was at a NAM show and I'm trying to think what year I'm I, don't if, was it? I think it was 2017. 2017. That was the first yeah. time we met as well. We met before the guitar show on yeah. the Vigier stand. Yes, I remember it. Ben introduced us. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then, and I'd met you through Simon Lewis, maybe the November before that NAM show. Yes. But then, so that was November 2016. Re- and, you know, so you were watching the YouTube channel, even though it was getting, you know, as I said earlier, five hits. Um and you just wanted to start up a conversation about me doing that for 
uh, for sure. And then I ended up doing that for sure a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the reference point, and and, and you are obviously um, being a little bit self-deprecating there. I mean, I think it probably was more than you know uh, three hundred subscribers at that point in time. But I mean, it wasn't it wasn't what it is now. I mean, I seem to think that when you 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 know we we spoke in that Nam, you're what somewhere between three and five thousand, maybe at that point. No, I honestly don't think so. I think I had three hundred um, in that January, but then uh, the big thing was uh, working on it after that Nam. I did I did a series of vlogs that helped, um, and one of them was obviously the <laughs> the interview with John Mayer. Um, and by interview, I mean I asked one tiny question <laughs> at a press conference and used it all I could. Um, and then I think it grew by I had 3000 in that May and then I uh, got invited on to Anderton's and then it went from 3000 to 10000 over that summer um and yeah I, I mean it's been a, a slow steady build it's never been super uh it's it, you know it's it's grown steadily over the last few years but yeah it has gone relatively quickly in the grand scheme of things it's just funny because i i booked you as an artist I, I i had no idea about the youtube side of it it was it was simon lewis that said hey i'm sort of like know this singer songwriter i think she'd be really good for the guitar show and that was that was all i knew you as so that's what i booked you as yeah and i mean i I sort of I do kind of um, forget that I was still a gigging musician at that point. Like I was still on the circuit. I was playing, you know, the tiny sort of 100 person venues. And I was trying to gig as much as I possibly could um, whilst working a day job. But yeah, YouTube kind of has um, it kind of wiped the slate clean almost, which is a bit weird. But now I get to sort of show that I actually have a background in gigging and and touring and then um, just trying to trying to hustle a little bit as a musician before then just you know sitting down and making some videos. And in terms of the musician side of it, I mean, uh, and it isn't it isn't just guitar, is it? I mean, you you're sort of um, right. Say so you're more classically trained. Yes, yes. Um, just trying to branch more into that um, now that the the trauma of doing classical music for so long has kind of uh, wilted away a bit and I'm starting to realise like it's something that makes me maybe a little bit more unique than other guitar YouTubers on the platform. Um, so yeah, just ventured into making a video about the viola and sort of introducing it and sort of talking about some of its uh, uh, reputation. Um, but yeah, I studied at Bristol University from 2009 to 2012 and then just pursued singer-songwriting after that. But yes, the classical music thing is is coming back. <laughs> Maybe it's something to do with people who played viola because I always remember they were the, the most popular out of the orchestra people when mm. I was in sixth form. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know irony. why. I don't Surely know why. they weren't. There are too many viola jokes about. No, no, no. At our, at our school, it was definitely the the the, the viola kids where they they seem to be. I don't know. The, you know, the the, the cello and the, the, those those girls were maybe a little bit too butch. I don't know. But um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> getting into dangerous territory. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's, it's a long time ago, and nobody Stop I went, digging. Stop <laughs> digging. Nobody, <laughs> Nobody I uh, went to school with listens to this podcast, so we're we're, we're absolutely. Well, those fine. cellists were just playing the cello for your satisfaction, so obviously they missed a trick. <laughs> uh, though actually, if I had to pick an instrument, I would pick the cello as my favourite instrument, bar none, in terms of yeah. how it sounds. <laughs> I just, I've That's just never how it sounds. Just sad. I've just never been that bothered about cellists. Um, but, Fair enough. But, but there we uh, we we've, we have strayed, haven't we? Just a little. Yes, we have. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, Let's try and put ourselves back. <laughs> right. Okay. So, help me slot timeline together then. So, 2017, um, 300 people on your YouTube channel, but you're mm. already um, attached to Vigier at that point. Yes, because Ben Watsley sold me my first guitar when I was 11, um, right. and he was still in Salisbury. I, I think I bought my second guitar off him when I was 18. Maybe I was 11 or 12. I, I kind of get those years. I think I must have been nearer 12. Um, 
he sold me my second guitar because he was still working at a place called Percy Prize, which is now a music room or, you know, I'm hoping it's still there. Um, And then he sort of announced that he'd, you know, he was a massive guitar nerd and um, well equipped in in terms of his knowledge of, of brands sort of emerging. And he was a fan of Vigier before he joined. And to be honest, for the first, what, eight years of me knowing about Vigier, I didn't think I would ever buy one. Um, but then made friends with them through Ben and went to that first NAM, sort of helped out with their booth and then saw the GV Rock, which I ended up buying. Um, and that uh, it's sort of surf green, but it's called uh, Revolution Green. Um, that model just kind of helped me stand out a little bit more. People asked questions about what the guitar was and I knew that was kind of important because obviously I could play the famous four and people would just sort of pigeonhole me but I was just there being a singer-songwriter with this like crazy electric guitar <laughs> um so yeah Vigier have been been there the whole time really we'll still play that GV rock yeah well I mean I mean I'm assuming that's the one that's you know is 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 the is the one you're invariably seeing with I mean so many of the photos you're, you're playing that guitar it's probably the closest thing to a Mary Spender signature isn't it really well, luckily, it's quite a limited guitar anyway. There there aren't that many of them, so I can pretend like it is, but it's not. It's not at all. Have you not got a Sharpie and put your signature on the headstock? Uh, no, no, that's uh, not, not something I've done to my own guitars yet. I think right. I stopped drawing and putting stickers on them after my first one went terribly, terribly wrong. Right, okay. <laughs> okay. Are you sure you haven't put your signature on it? I'm pretty sure. Oh, I'm pretty okay. sure. We- <laughs> We had a colleague at Shaw that would have drawn something on it for you, but it's probably best we don't go anywhere near that. Oh, my. Yes. Um, <laughs> bless him. I hope Jay's well. Um, so, he's not listening to this. No, he's not listening to this either. He never listened to me when I worked with him. He's not going <laughs> to. Oh, for good reason. Uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, um, so, so, the, so the Vigier thing comes along quite, quite early then, really, because, you know, at that point in time... and. You self-financed that first trip to Nam, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, I took two weeks off my... Uh, I was working for Sustrans, a cycling charity. Um, it was just a temp job, so I was earning about £8 an hour. And yeah, just decided to... I actually decided to stop doing a temp contract and go permanent with them just so I could get annual leave pay. <laughs> um, and then I took that annual leave to go to Nam, and then just, you know, ended up working at Nam, but in my, in the, in the field I wanted to be in. And I just remember walking around and just being like, hang on a minute, this is the part of the music industry that actually has money and they actually treat artists right because they don't have to make money out of artists where where have I been all this time? Like, what's happening? Um, and so it, it just opened my eyes and it's just kind of crazy how it's evolved into being part of my career so so massively. Yeah. And that and that's really unusual because for, for so many people who might end up being an artist for uh, for a brand or a demonstrator for a brand or what or affiliated with a brand, invariably they would come through probably working in a music store. That kind of is the fairly traditional route that you you're a player, you might take a Saturday job, then you might get a, a job, you know, after school in a music store, and then over time somebody will, you know, a, a you know a, a rep or a, somebody from a brand will work out. Oh, that that guy plays quite well. Oh, that girl plays quite well. Let's 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 see if we can maybe do something with that with that person. Whereas yours is is really quite unique in the fact that you you know jumped on a plane and said, well, I'm I'm going to make this happen. Yes, because I wasn't really aware of Nam until um, until Ben just kept saying he was like, oh, "I'm going to LA every January for like the rest of my life, bar <laughs> bar 2021." Sadly, um, because he was just like, "It's just the best place to be if you're like a guitar lover." Um, so I, I sort of heard about it and sort of didn't think it would be the right thing for me to do, but you know, it, it just turned out to be absolutely everything and like the start of start of not only my career as an artist but start of the youtube channel um you know in, in terms of actually like gaining traction so yeah it's, it's been weird and and now i think quite a lot of artists especially in this day and age are quite proud of they sort of say they're like oh i'm not really interested in gear i just play and i'm like well i like playing but i'm also interested in gear and i want to know what's happening and um it's a really exciting industry just to sort of you know i'm viewing it now i'm not part of it anymore so uh, uh, 
so much so other than sort of reviewing certain things if if, um, companies I love get in touch but um, it's just quite interesting and obviously like I'm I'm pretty glad that obviously you guys might be able to tell me more information but from what I've seen online like more people are picking up musical instruments more than ever um, thanks to lockdown so the, the industry obviously is is crippled in some aspects but then flourishing in others so it's just it's great to see it's, it's, it has been interesting because obviously we've been talking to lots of people on this podcast who have you know we're talking to Thorpe who's practically working 24 hours a day to mm-hmm. keep up with the pedal demand and and and, and in the same token you know because I work at um, BIM in Birmingham and, and we've seen an increase in students as well this coming September and we really thought we would have a decrease because students would just defer because you know we're teaching a lot online um certainly mm-hmm. up to christmas um but I, I don't know whether there's been a shift that you know from the, the students point of view we wondered whether parents had gone well i did the right thing and i did the sensible course and i've still lost my job due to this why don't you just go and do what you love you know and i think that maybe that has had an effect and i think a lot of people have picked up instruments again during lockdown because for the first, well, lots of people I know have had time. I've been working my ass off constantly since yeah, lockdown, but um, <laughs> lots of people I know have had time, more time than they've ever had as an adult. And you know, I've tried to teach mates how to play guitar as adults, and it just doesn't work because mm, you know they're too um, busy and they they just can't give enough time. Just yeah, work, family, everything. But when have people had four months off? you know it's just never happened before has it no no not at all um i i feel the same like you i've been yeah working and obviously we're some of the fortunate ones to be able to um but yeah like i've seen so many new people watching youtube videos obviously because they finally have time um i think people are just asking themselves what do they really want um and just realizing like your life can really, really run away from you very, very quickly. And these last four months, you know, people have probably been bored for the first time ever <laughs> um, since they were teenagers, you know, since the the days of you know, even when I was a teenager, like I got bored because there wasn't the Internet. There wasn't Netflix to distract me. And that's why I kind of played the guitar. Um, but, you know, it's it's just sort of such a strange time. And I'm I'm excited to see. I, I'm hoping people stay at it. I, I know that other industries, like the cycling industry, everyone's bought bikes and you you can't really even get a bike anymore. And I'm just hoping that people stick at those things that just bring me personally uh, so much joy. So, yeah. The, the period of time we've had is enough to be habit-forming, isn't it? In terms of the amount of time that apparently is required to change your habitual behaviour. Um, yeah, well, all you need is three weeks. Technically, it's 21 days. It's... <laughs> ironically although i was late to this podcast obviously um i was i'm literally writing a video about um the kiss principle in terms of how to keep it simple stupid but then also how that applies not just to creative thinking but to the rest of your life but how the rest of your life kind of helps with the creative side of yourself and how if you're in a miserable place in your health and you know whether your work is you know going terribly or you're not sort of continuing um continuously self-educating you're not going to end up being as creative as you want and being able to sustain that output so i'm going to give myself a challenge of calming myself down um and focusing on the things that are really important to see whether or not i can actually become you know it sort of changed my own personal habits um because things do just sort of run away from you um even when you're doing it full time and and it's your it becomes your job but yeah 21 days that's all you need and people have had way more than that there's a hope that it'll break some cycles of behavior that probably aren't healthy for us and by that i don't mean in terms of physical health uh the reliance on consumption that would would arrive to the point of just just consume just retail just constantly needing a fix of something there's a hope that actually you know you talk about cycling um i mean i've I've always run but i've started now walking on alternate days and and i can't imagine now not getting out for at least an hour a day to take some exercise and and it's just a hope that those things actually replace the other things because you know i'm now at the point where i i don't i don't want to go shopping 
for, for argument's sake. Um, it doesn't interest me anymore. And actually, I feel a little bit unsafe as well at the same time. Um, and, and actually, the world wouldn't be a worse place if we took some of that time and put it into creative or you know or, or things that actually help with our health yeah absolutely there there are certain things that i've realized um like none of my shoes have worn down like they usually would because i'm just wearing trainers now obviously to go to the gym or i was wearing cycling shoes to go cycling um i wasn't wearing like normal shoes so I, they're all fine and that's pretty mad it's just such a stupid thing to notice but like i've just been realizing i haven't been wearing shoes when i've been at home so obviously that everything's just lasting a lot longer. I haven't bought any clothes. The weddings I was going to have to buy dresses for have all been cancelled, you know, well, rearranged. Um, so this year has just been kind of like a put everything on hold, whether it's your shopping habit, um, whether your commute has just been killing you for the last 10 years or whatever it is, you know, like that's been put on hold. And just hopefully businesses will just start to realise like, they still their employees still work really really hard um whether they're at home or whether they're in an office i actually i actually personally think people procrastinate far more in an office from my own experience because i did that um and it would always be a catch-up time you know whether it was at shore or whether it was in just in finance like it's so difficult to concentrate in those sorts of environments and when you're at home like obviously this is where i spend most of my time doing my work now but you're just so much more productive and then also just being able to put your laundry on and just simple things like that while you're sat here or, you know, probably people being having to take care of kids. Like the world has just completely changed. And I just don't think it's I think it'd be stupid to try and make it go backwards. Yeah, I went to um, I went to work for the first time on Friday. So I went to the uni for the first time since the something like 19th of March or something. So it was the first time I'd done a commute on Friday morning and it was like. My alarm went off an hour earlier to compensate for the fact that I can't just walk downstairs and come into my office where I've been working. So that hurt. I had to put shoes on, like you said. I've only put shoes on to go to go and get food shopping in the last four months. That hurt. It was just really <laughs> odd. I'd much rather stay at home, thank you. I know. Everyone is getting a little bit more insular, aren't they? So um, I know that people are moving out of London because they're like, I don't want to be quarantined in London anymore. And everyone's sort of, uh, well, they're definitely moving down here. But um, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm, I, I do imagine most of the world will go back to normal. And obviously there are so many trades that you know it can't be avoided you either have to go to a specific place to you know deliver that lecture to students or you know my mother is a is a nurse like she has to go and care for patients so obviously some things just won't change but but yeah other other industries particularly creative industries can um can just take a step back and calm down a bit let people have a nicer time yeah i completely agree i mean i i've taught online i've been teaching online since march it's not the same as standing in a room full of kids. And, well, kids, sorry, adults. I mean, they're 18 <laughs> plus. Um, but it's not the same. You know, you can't have that level of interaction. It's like it's like oh, we're having a conversation now, but we can't talk it over each other. And, you know, you can't have, right, you three go over that way and you three go over there and you work on a plan sort of thing. You just can't do that on Zoom. And I think you, no. you do miss, you know, I do actually miss hanging out with people. It was nice to go to work and you know, as much as I love hanging out with my family, it's nice to have a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the hope is that the things that it's the right things that we realise had very little value, and the things we're missing are the things that actually were the things that always did have the value. So, so the creative element of being with people is is definitely something that I've missed. Um, but some of the other things I've now realised were just things that I got into the habit of doing that actually added no value to my life. And and I think if you can make that, you know, if we can make that sort of uh, differentiation between the two things, then maybe the world will be a, a slightly more sane place moving forward and we'll actually start to spend time with the things that we really think are important. Because actually, you know, it would be lovely to have this conversation in a single space. Uh, mm -hmm. And as much as we've been able to produce these podcasts and lots of other people have been able to produce things over the period, it isn't the same. It isn't, it isn't the same. 
Um, but as for the other bits, the other bits of detritus and shit, for want of a better term, I, I, I mean, I hope they just go away. <laughs> if I'm being, if I'm being honest, it's um, like it's like Shakespeare's in the room, isn't it? Well, not not <laughs> not not really. Um, but thank you, that's very kind. Um, of all the things I've been likened to. So back to back to you. With we, you've taken yourself off to Nam, you've formed a relationship with Vigier, you've um, um, had a formed a relationship with Simon Lewis from Anthem Publishing. You're meeting people like Jason. You're meeting people like me, um, and then you have a year where everything starts to really coalesce. Um, the channel starts to get bigger. You start working with Andertons. Mm-hmm. Through the course of that yeah. year, um, after quite a bit of um, toing and froing, you know, I'm in a fortunate position to able to offer you a job at Shaw, um, and 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 so by Nam 2018, the whole thing's totally changed. Really, I guess. Uh, com- yeah, completely changed. Um, and then 2018 again, just from 2018 to 2019, like it was just a roller coaster. Um, 2019 was pretty wild too because that was when I uh left Shaw that uh, end of February because I just crossed over 100,000 subscribers so it was just time to take that leap um and now it's just yeah it's completely out of hand and ridiculous and I do sort of wake up every day being like when is the person going to come like knocking on the door being like oh I'm sorry you thought you could do that as a job you thought you could just sit at home make music make videos and and earn a living from that you idiot <laughs> i just i still make that i was thinking about it earlier and i was thinking that you've got one of those jobs that didn't exist before i'm Not an event all, organizer yeah. and you know when i started work at the nec 25 years ago i was sitting in an office with people that had been running events for 25 years prior to me you know and they'd sat with people who'd run them 25 years before that whereas you've never there's never been anybody like what you do before, is there? No, no. And I'm I'm very, very aware of that and realising that there is no blueprint for this kind of job. And that's why I get a lot of, I get a lot of, it's not my parents, because my parents have really understood from the very beginning and, and they kind of love uh, seeing me on this journey. But friends, friends, parents, just sort of being like, so, um, do you earn money from that then? <laughs> I'm like, well, yes, I, I, I do. I do earn a living. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't need another job and um, it's it seems to be growing and it's working and uh, I love every second of it. So none of it feels like work. I actually joked with my parents that I think I retired at 29 um, <laughs> because I would be doing this stuff whether or not someone paid me. So yeah, I, I I am very fortunate. I know that this wouldn't be for everybody, though. And that's the other thing to remember. It's like not every musician cares whether or not they have um, a YouTube channel and they, they don't necessarily care about gear. They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about their failures publicly, whereas I'm just like, I'm happy doing all of that, whatever. It's just it's just all me. Um and it doesn't matter how people describe me, you know, whether they call me a musician, whether they call me a content creator, whether they call me a YouTuber, I really don't care because it doesn't actually matter because I am all of those things. And as soon as you start sort of taking your, yourself less seriously, things just sort of get handed to you that you just never expect. So some of the things I could be called are just things that I'd never even have pursued myself. So yeah, it's it's a bit, it's all a bit weird and weird and wonderful but I don't see it slowing down and I do see just more and more opportunities for other people to take this sort of eclectic career and run with it themselves Um, because there are certain strategies you can put in place to build a career online like it's it's if if anyone has done it then you can do it too Um, so yeah I'm I'm just I'm happy to be I don't feel like I'm at the forefront of youtube obviously because it's been around a lot longer than i've been on the platform but it seems that people are finally starting to take it relatively like again not seriously but kind of along those lines where it's like oh okay that that is a that's a career now 
Mm. You're, you're gaining traction, you're gaining an audience. Um, those things are important even in the traditional sphere of the music industry or, or any industry. As soon as you have eyes on you, um, that makes what you do valuable. So uh, that's quite exciting. So have you got an end goal for this? Given that no one's done this before, do you know where you want to take it? No. Um, and I used to. I used to think Wembley Stadium was the end goal. And now Wembley Stadium doesn't look all that um, likely to ever happen. Um, it may never look full but again. <laughs> it may never look full. It might be... Might, well, actually, maybe I might be able to sell it out now. <laughs> if, if social distancing keeps up this way. Um, yeah, there's no end goal. Like, sometimes I just think... Can I even get through this week? Can I get through a month? Can I still be sustaining this in a year's time? Um, and it's very easy to let it run away from you and you kind of have to pull things back because I could always be doing more, but I, I, there's only so much time in the day. Um, there's only so much people want to see me and hear from me too. So sort of learning those sorts of limitations. But basically my end goal is to never really work for anyone but myself again um so whatever i can do to help sustain that is my priority um so yeah whether that's just if if youtube crashes and burns tomorrow like i think i've got enough other stuff around it to jump into something else if that happens or there might be a different platform where i might have to start from zero again but i've done it once so i'd be able to do it again um so I'm just always telling myself I need to remain flexible and not become a dinosaur in my own industry because things feel safe and cushy right now because they might not be because that's exactly how I ended up having a job by other people sort of neglecting this space. So, um, yeah, just always be evolving and just not afraid of, uh, of changing it up a bit. Did you ever have any doubt that you wouldn't get to where you've got to? I don't really think I thought about it. And I think you can probably, um, I think I worried about things like being able to afford my rent. Um, I think I think we had a conversation when I moved to Brighton from Bristol and I was like, I, I need to be able to afford a two bed place because I need a studio so I can work from home and make YouTube videos. Like it's really, and you were just like, well, you'll probably make it happen. And I was like, okay then. I guess I'll make it happen. <laughs> and I've been in this place two years now. So like, I, you know, I haven't gone bankrupt yet. Um, and yeah, just like little things like that. But I didn't really ever think about um, that. I didn't think it was going to get this far. Um, tomorrow I'll wake up and I'll, you know, refresh my YouTube subscribers or whatever. Like I, you know, have the habit of doing. And it would just be mad that even if a hundred people have subscribed in a day, I'm just still blown away. Um so yeah, I I just don't think I really thought about it. And I definitely talking to other creative people, I know I definitely don't worry the same way that they're worried about being perceived. Um, and obviously I have my weak moments when it comes to YouTube comments and stuff like that, or just things just not working out. Um, but really, I just know I can sit here and just be in control and uh, make something new out of nothing and upload it or or release it and um someone somewhere might like it so that's all that matters so talking of something new you're now launching guitar lessons yes thanks to lockdown <laughs> um i mean it's done it's done really well i'm i'm really proud of um I actually just launched a different course this week with a friend of mine, uh, Rachel K. Collier, who has been teaching me Ableton over lockdown. But yeah, once lockdown happened in March, I'd been writing a beginner guitar course. I started it in January, was writing it on the plane at NAMM, writing it on the plane back, procrastinating massively um, because making content on top of content is is, a, is definitely a challenge. Um, but finally sat myself down, made myself film those videos um and get it done i think i ended fin ended up finishing it by end of march released it and then obviously just hit a wave of people uh beginning guitar um and i'm already working on the next sort of more intricate fingerstyle course 
um but it, it it's kind of different to different it's it's different to other guitar lessons because it's not for everybody like if you've already picked up the guitar um then you don't need this first course that i've done and i try and tell people that too because i'm just like this isn't for everybody it's for people who want to start to play like me and that's a very niche set of people um but i know that there are some people who enjoy their instrument enjoy the way i play it um and they know that they could find other kinds of lessons elsewhere they know that you know guitar is a rather eclectic genre of uh um of music so you can you can just play anything on it but if you want to play guitar like me then at least i'm the one showing you how um so yeah same with ableton and and showing how rachel produces in it because i want to be able to produce like rachel so i was like hey can we partner up on a course i want to selfishly learn from you i imagine <laughs> other people will want to learn you know this too so let's just get it made so yeah so you you i've always been struck about how unique your sort of guitar style is and i spent the afternoon kind of watching many of your videos i'm sorry um, yeah, <laughs> stalking you all the way back to the first one eleven years ago. Um, oh man! Uh, but I, it struck me that I was, as I was listening to it, that are you a big Mark Knopfler fan? Because that's oh, what it yes. reminded me of. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, Mark Knopfler and uh, I mean I, I've already mentioned him, John Mayer. Just, just not necessarily their songwriting, um, but just the way they accompany themselves whilst performing yeah just massively so um they it, you did that mad dire straits cover didn't you with leo <laughs> <laughs> yes i did i did i think i took what did i take two days off from shore that, that march yes you did we'd done some kind of other insane business travel and then i was like i'm just going to go to norway for three days or four days or something in amongst something massively pressurized and then and i probably said yeah fine yeah yeah i think i even went off on tour afterwards in fact you probably <laughs> told me when you got back <laughs> yeah i was like oh yeah just went to norway uh yes went and collaborated with leo maracchioli and um yeah that video kind of did all right yeah, it still comes up in my, you may be interested in. It's like, I've seen it. Leave me alone. <laughs> I know. It's absolutely mad. I mean, he's done so well. I'm so in awe of what he's built. Um, and then, you know, he didn't need me to make that video. And yet I, I did say to him, I was like, hey, have you done Sultans of Swing yet? Because I think it would be ace and I'd love to collaborate on it with you. And he was like, sure, come over to Norway, come and hang out. And so I did. And then it got, what, 26 million hits or something <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um i still need to do a, I, i've been working on an arrangement just for solo guitar but i just haven't had the confidence to sit down and actually film that because it's gonna it's gonna take a long time to get that performance in one take and i really want to do it in one take just for my own ego well we were so yeah. we were talking about die straights uh, briefly off air well uh, just before we started producing i'm not going to mention the fact that you were 25 minutes late so <laughs> don't worry fashionably late like any musician um <laughs> but um and and, J- and Jason, you were you've never been a Dire Straits fan, have you? Uh, no, I, I was saying to Ant that because Dire Straits came out when I was about thirteen, fourteen, and I was like a snotty little punk kid. Dire Straits never really came on my radar, and it's not like today where you can just type it in and listen to it. You know, back then when that came out, you actually had to go and buy it, and I wasn't going to spend my money on what I perceived as dad rock. Yeah. You know, it just didn't fall in within my, you know, I mean, at 14, I'd have probably been listening to Hanoi Rocks, which probably mean literally nothing to you, um, but Finland's greatest band. Um, and that's all you need to know about them. Um, <laughs> and what else in 14? It would have been Kiss, probably. Uh, basically, just a thing for men in makeup was basically my thing in right oh so that's why you've got the makeup on right now yeah yeah i wear it all the time yeah yeah no that makes sense yeah (laughs) the kids love it (laughs) so so as jace doesn't get die straight um and i the the only reason i ever had kids was the fact that i'd listened to dad rock most of my life and at some point figured i needed kids to go with it um (laughs) mary which die straight album should we point him towards um 
Well, to be honest, uh, the thing that was most fl- influential, because again, w- we didn't really have all their albums. I think my dad must have had, he must have had some of their records, but we had Mark Knopfler's solo record, Sailing in Philadelphia. And that, that was the, so although I love Dire Straits, like Mark Knopfler's solo stuff was the stuff for me. And I just remember listening to it on car journeys, but we really, <laughs> I mean, this sums up, I don't know what my parents did for me to like their kind of music because I know that often you don't want to listen to the music your parents listen to. Um, and my mum had that with her folks and my dad had it with his. And yet yeah, I grew up on Mark Knopfler, well, Dire Straits, um, Joni Mitchell, Tracy Chapman, Alison Krauss and the Union Station often um, and other sort of like bluegrass and yeah kind of like dad rock but kind of nice calming dad rock <laughs> um, I grew up on the stones kind of but but I I never really gelled with um, the, the stones and the Beatles like I just haven't educated myself enough and I didn't educate myself on the Beatles until I got to university and obviously I was an absolute idiot for, for not doing so sooner, but it sort of meant that they sort of came around as my own discovery again. Um, but still nowadays, like I, I listen to some terrible music. Um, sometimes I don't even listen to music now. And it's just sort of, it's all a bit strange. It's kind of why I'm having to force myself to research things, like things that I've definitely missed because of the classical music education. So I was like spending most of my time listening to that because I was being forced to. So I literally, I have Eric Clapton's autobiography here um, because I've missed out on all his life. And I was just like, I don't even know what makes him special. Oh, it's rubbish after the mid seventies. Don't worry about it. <laughs> when he sobered up, it got really boring. When they took the heroin away, he was yeah. complete tosh. <laughs> all right. Good to know. Good to know. I'm still in the early stages. So, uh, so yeah, I just I want to force myself kind of to re-educate myself on quite a lot of the music that I've missed, um, but also be free enough. And you know, I, I love anything. Like if <clears throat> you know that the the Leo video will show. Like I used to love listening to metal music, so I wasn't ashamed of being in a metal video. Um, I love pop music. I love really really cheesy pop music. I love lo-fi stuff that's going on now. I work to that all the time, and just. Again, it just kind of says a lot about me where it's I'm not I'm not ever going to just stay in one lane and I don't feel like I need to because um, luckily my career just means that I, I need to I need to be better rounded than I am even now um, and just keep discovering new things in all all different genres and so elements. When you of music write your industry. own solo stuff. So, yeah. Or is it Lone Wolf that you're going out under now? Was that the name of the album or the name of the band? Yeah. that was the name of the do, record yeah yeah yeah. do you pigeonhole yourself going it's got to sound a certain way or are you quite happy to chuck all of those elements in um i think maybe i was a bit more all over the place when i was younger trying to do i think i even uh recorded uh an ep called the eclectic <laughs> ep because there was a song that was acoustic there was a song that was kind of um uh folky um, sort of country and then um, there was like a weird jazz fusion song and then there was a rock song or something and I don't know I've just I've never been able to define my sound until now where I'm like okay well the distinctive things for me are my voice um, my so my vocal range and then uh, my guitar playing style so if you can hear those two things it doesn't matter what else is going on behind me you'll be able to figure out it's me um, so that's kind of my priority with Lone Wolf it was a bit of a concept album so you know it's full of slide guitar uh, it's real drums just I went around America last year and kind of like picked up my favorite musicians and just got them to record their parts on it so yeah it just sort of turned into my sort of like super group band um so it's quite sort of traditional sounding for any kind of like rocky right it's kind of rocky it gets it gets a bit bit a bit bluesy um but it's not blues so yeah now i'm sort of venturing into um just what is right for the song rather than what is right for me and my audience because i think as soon as you start pigeonholing yourself then you just get into trouble again um 
and yeah with any different subject i pursue on youtube i can find a new audience it will just sort of point me towards a different kind of person and that's really enchanting to me it's like i don't know who that person is are they where are they living what are they usually listening to what are they going to be sort of um switched on to and yeah it's just all kind of exciting and diverse so i I noticed when i was watching your videos that you are you filming the videos yourself are you capturing Mm -hmm. all of that because there's a ton of um sort of like that kind of america that when you go there as often as we do you realize doesn't really exist but all british people love this kind of idea of you know the the romance of your pulling into memphis road signs and stuff like that if if you filmed that and edited all that yourself yeah yeah blues duet was filmed by me i just bought a a canon dslr at the time and the only lens i had was a 50 millimeter so yeah you need is the is the only lens you need um so yeah that was just sort of an amalgamation kind of just was capturing my trip um i went there in 2014 and stayed there for a few months and then uh just came back and edited the footage on a really old rusty laptop and just came up with that little music video um this is a new the new york one as well um oh yeah that was long island city shot that last year edited that i did get help uh from adam neely my friend to shoot some of the outdoor scenes because i was gonna have to leave my camera on on a street in new york otherwise Yeah, there was a bit when you were walking down the road and I was like, how did she do that? No, no, no. So he held the camera for me. The irony with that was that we actually ended up shooting. I was trying to be all fancy and slow-mo and this is how many mistakes I make filmmaking even now when it's my job. Um, I, I shot it in 720p when <laughs> there was an option to do it in 1080, obviously, but I still just managed to put it in the lowest res I possibly could on, on my camera, even though I'd been making YouTube videos for what, three years by then. So um, luckily, it blew up and it was it was fine um gave it a uh, nice lo-fi look didn't it yeah yeah it has a kind of like a yeah soft look i'd say (laughs) (laughs) so um we were talking before we started about perfect albums uh, not favourite albums, but perfect albums. Uh, and Jason and I both agree on an album we both think is perfect, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is a is a Rolling Stones album. We both think Exile on Main Street is a is a perfect album. Um, and by that, we just mean there's nothing you would change about it at all. Um, you know. Um, so the question, I guess, to you is because we then went through, we was, we tried to find others, and we were struggling to find very many of them, and we were arguing a bit about the Beatles, and we probably both agreed on Revolver, and that was about the only one. Um, so, what's a, what's a perfect album for Mary Spender? Well, so I, I've been having this discussion with friends recently because as soon as you start sharing an opinion on a piece of art, you have to remember that there are two lanes. So there's like there's there's the critically acclaimed piece of work which can obviously involve albums um can obviously also relate to sales and how popular it was and then how perfect it's been perceived but then there's the things that hit you personally at the right time that can also be seen as perfect but it's only seen as perfect to you um so in one way i'd say like katie tunstall's eye to the telescope fits both of those because it was deemed as like it's just a great record like every song is just a hit um but then also it just hit me at the right time like I was like 14 15 when that came out and I just saw this woman standing up on stage rocking out with an electric guitar and I was like oh that's what I want to do that's what I want to do and then it just happened to be an incredible record too um so that's the first one but if I really thought about it any longer I kind of wonder what I would come up with um I guess Battle Studies by John Mayer, which is a bit controversial because everyone says Continuum. Um, But I actually just prefer Battle Studies, again, because when it hit me, it hit me when I was like 19, 20, and that was when I was just starting to take the leap into fingerstyle guitar rather than strumming with a plectrum. Um, So yeah, then... uh, Man, what are other ones? It's actually quite hard. Oh, it's an impossible question. Um, it's impossible. And you, you kind of have to define it by those two options, yeah. right? So you have to say, 
what's the album that hit you at the right time and place that is so significant to you now that you deem it perfect or you know what was the thing that was just massively popular that you know people all just deem as great and like yeah i i'm trying to think of other things and now i'm just like having an absolute mind blank we we went through quite a lot it's actually quite it's it's probably a it's probably an evening's conversation that over a number of bottles of something but we we very quickly were were struggling because you 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 know you you think about it and go right okay well what about so and so because we neither neither of us really rated um not possible to say you don't rate it but i wouldn't say sergeant pepper was perfect no but you can't say it wasn't iconic no so it's kind of like it's super tricky to define those kinds of albums because they are legendary for a reason but they but is anything perfect no because like it's all subjective Mm. so it's 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 an impossible question which makes it a good question because it's always going to come up with something new as an answer, isn't and yet it? The inter- is it? Imagine if there was just one answer where it was like one album, it's perfect, da-da-da, it's right or wrong. And then you just <laughs> cut that person off after they've said it or not said it on the interview. <laughs> well, well, it's Afraid of Sunlight by Marillion, but we'll leave that one hanging and just... Uh, All right, um, yeah. <laughs> But it, it's... So you said Katie Tunstall, and it is a great album. That is a really great album. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, you. Um, she was one of the people you interviewed for Tuesday Talks wasn't she yeah again when I had no right to do such a thing like that I feel like that's what my career is kind of um I've just always been in the right place at the right time but then also people have just given me this strange opportunity which never happened to me before um with the sort of traditional route of songwriting but the YouTube channel was just so weird and wonderful people were like oh you've got I think I had 17,000 subscribers at that time which in the grand scheme of things is not that many. But at the time, people were like, oh, that's pretty good. And like, even if the video got a thousand views, it was like, well, that's better than not having a thousand views. It's not been in the right place at the right time. It, there are loads of people that are in the right place at the right time, but it's the ability to say yes at the right mm. time that actually, you know, that's what you have to remember. That this stuff happened because you said yes well, yeah. or you shouted a question at John Mayer from the back of the room. <laughs> no, I was in the front of the room. That's why I got picked. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, and the funny thing about that, and again, just something I've been writing recently, is like I did everything wrong in terms of like what you would usually do as a normal human being. So I, what I did live off absolutely no sleep for three years. Um, I did get very unfit and unhealthy because I wasn't eating right because I was eating wherever I you know, could, whether I was traveling or it staying in a hotel or whatever. Um, and that particular day, I think I'd flown back from Chicago with you, Ant, and that was after my first week of work, went to the boss event, their 40th anniversary. And she happened to be there doing a little presentation. And my friend Matt was just like, yeah, so the interview's going ahead, all right? And I was like, yeah, great. Not having slept whatsoever on the plane back from Chicago, suffering from jet lag. I think a normal person would be like, I just can't do it. And I was like, I, this is, this is what will separate me from the rest. Um, you know, even if they all think I'm mad, I don't care. And she even thought I was mad. She was like, you just got off a plane. I was like, yeah, I went and I fell asleep in a taxi on the way to my friend's house. And then I had a shower there and then I, I came here. And I was like, okay. Um, so yeah, and I, I think I still try and, um, try and push myself to do those sorts of things. It's like, oh, is this the point where other people would quit? Possibly. Um, something I did recently was just absolutely insane. And, uh, well, two things just revolving in this room, one involving a 24 hour live stream for charity. And then the second thing was uh, being part of a campaign for Apple, which was kind of behind the scenes, but it was this sort of press thing. And I was the only person in the UK, everyone else was in the US. So I had to stay up very, very late, pretty much for a week and kind of jet lagged myself whilst being at home. (laughs) And I was just kind of like, well, yeah, this is something that other people wouldn't do. They just wouldn't say yes to this. They wouldn't, there was no like defined job at first either they sort of came up with the project idea as we sort of all went along and it's it evolved into this kind of magical thing um but yeah there's just a lot of moments like that but then I'm also like well I'm probably a bit of a weirdo sometimes about this sort of thing and and the things I want to achieve aren't 
aren't normal. So I can't live a normal routine. I think it comes back to that question I asked you earlier on where I said, do you have a, do we, did you ever have any doubt? And because the thing is, the, the most striking thing, and I'll never forget um, meeting you, and I'll also never, never forget the, the meeting that we had in, in NAM um, back in 2017. And the first, the, first the, the, the abiding memory for me was um, that there was no doubt that you would get to where you are now and be doing what you were doing and will be and will continue to do, do those things for however long you want to do that because um I, I it, it was so obvious to somebody looking from the outside that you know you you were you were so focused and so driven and so absolutely in command of everything that you were doing that you would bend the world to be the shape you <laughs> wanted it to be mm but it was just after a lot of years of not behaving that way. Um, so there was a there was a lot of time where I did have doubt. I didn't have the confidence to go up and walk, uh, you know, go up and introduce myself to somebody, whether they were a stranger, whether they were someone I, you know, they were famous or whatever. It didn't really matter. But I didn't have that confidence for a really long time and I achieved nothing. Um, so I've. I've learnt how to do this. And again, the whole thing of like talking on camera, it's all learnt behaviour. Um, and that's why I try and say to musicians now, like if you want to be doing music for the rest of your life, then you need to look at this route because it provides you complete independence, creative control and money in the bank because there's there's no in-between with the traditional music industry. You're either really really famous and very very successful Katy Perry and you can name those people on on two hands you know um or you're absolutely broke like I was for a very long time so you kind of have to find this middle ground and that's what I think YouTube is actually doing for artists and well just the online space in general um you you can actually suddenly have a have a normal income and normal life but from creative a creative pursuit and that's what I think is just so interesting and just exactly what I'm trying to encourage because like what do you really want right now you can't go on tour and and play to hundreds of thousands of people so you have to just you know take this alternative route and maybe have your video seen by hundreds of thousands of people instead and that's pretty good and that's pretty manageable and and possible so um yeah just figuring out what you want and I wanted to do this so yeah I'm, I'm i'm i do sometimes take a step back and i'm like oh cool okay i i'm i'm hard working finally <laughs> <laughs> after a, a lot of time not being but um yeah and then also just you know figuring stuff out and managing certain things and realizing your strengths and weaknesses which i realize on a daily basis so um yeah it's just figuring out what you want cool well, I think that's a really nice place to stop, actually. Uh, <laughs> I've had a really nice time. Thank you very much for me finding, too. finding some time. Um, no, thank you for having me and thank no, you for no, being it's patient. Been a it's been, no, <laughs> yeah, well, it's been nice to see you. I mean, the last time I actually saw you, you didn't see me. You were rushing through the Sheridan Hotel at Nam. And I went, Mira! <laughs> She's good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just so famous, darling. You know, yeah, it's just know. how it is. No, not at all. I was probably I was probably babysitting another influencer actually at that time. <laughs> um, hopefully, we can do this again in person at some point. Hopefully, there'll be an opportunity to uh, to actually get together and have a natter rather than uh, having to do it this way. Well, yeah. I mean, I did a COVID test the other day, and I don't have it. Okay. So feeling rather proud about that. So. Um, well, well, if yeah. you've been sat in that room for the past six months, you shouldn't really have it. <laughs> no, because no, because like things are opening up now, so just just being cautious. But but yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I mean, always. You're in Brighton, aren't you? Which is where yeah. Mikey Demas is as well. Who we did? Ah, oh, Mikey Demas. Yeah, three or four weeks ago. So we said we'd catch up with Mikey again at some point. So maybe we'll come down to Brighton and we'll we'll have a huge podcast full of people who've Hell been on yeah. previously. But Hell we'll do yeah, it with seagulls in the background and ice creams in our hands. Yes, I do worry about how, how many seagulls have been picked up on my recording over here. So enjoy those. We will. We will. <laughs> well, it's been great, Mary. Thank you very much. Uh, and we'll catch up with you uh, very soon. Uh, and Jace, are we just going to wrap now? And 
I think we're going to wrap now. Call, mate, call, you call know, it an I'm on. ready for a glass of wine, actually, if the truth <laughs> be known. I, if I'm perfectly honest, my tea's on the table, so, you know. Right. Mine is too, I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> well, just to join the club, mine is as well. So uh, I've, I've, been, I've had a message to say quarter to nine is, that's it. So if we don't yeah. end now, we're all going to be in we're all going to be various in states of divorce, <laughs> uh, which, will, which will be fine. Right. Uh, thanks very much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, please subscribe. Please share with as many people as you can. Uh, and we will uh, we'll see you very soon. Cheers. Good night. Bye. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. Music